0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative.
1: Welcome to the podcast. The real podcast. The El real podcast. What's up, folks? This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. If you clicked on this by accident, well, you're in for a treat. You're in
0: for a ride. Father John, Father Nathan, coming up on the end of uh, May, but today is is a great day. Magnum. Momentous day. Magnum. Gaudium seven
1: years ago today mm-hmm that's right seven one years and ago only. seven one years and only. ago I, I uh, shakingly made my way to the altar um, with uh, three other guys, and um, yeah, it was a great day. so seven years of priesthood. can't believe it. You and Father Cheney somehow ended up perfectly behind me uh, in the second, second row. Right, our cathedral kind of has like these staggered rows uh, where they create a dugout, I guess, for handicapped people. Uh, but uh, there's there's some extra space in front, and so it kind of creates a, a a good scenic view. And then uh, me and the four guys were parked right in front of them, and then they had shots. and, and Father Cheney is one of those people that likes taking pictures during oh, yeah. ordination. He's a he's a picture. So, anyways, it was nice that whenever I made my odd zoom you know they call your name and say present it was just right there and then that was it i guess in italian they say eco me eco me eco me it's beautiful behold me
0: um yep yeah, and i had the honor of vesting uh the father sure. nathan Goebel. so at an ordination uh the priest is uh the bishop lays hands and then he does the prayer of consecration and that is what affects the sacrament and then following that they come down and they divest themselves of their diaconal vestments and put on for the first time Priestly vestments which seems like it would be a very easy thing to do could right? be right right but for some reason I seem to always screw it up I am the common denominator I I've done, don't it, it, know I've about done it that. three times <laughs> and uh, but we were nervous and it's super emotional and like it's yeah. a, it's a, an unbelievable honor so you ask a priest to vest you for the first time so right and gobble the stole and we're kind of putting that on and you trying to put the chasuble on and And then he pulled his cincture a little tight. Yep. And it just
1: went ducktail. So the back of the stole just went right up. Yep. (laughs) Whatever. I didn't notice. I didn't care. Imagine a bride getting, getting, you know, dressed, not like, you know, all the way or whatever, but yeah, you got an idea. Like you're, you're getting ready before everybody else. And at that point you just don't care. Yeah. Like it's, it's great. But, um, John did a much better job. It was a very intimate, you know, kind of, uh, a lovely moment of, of friendship but uh when tom Byrne vested me as diaconate i was so nervous i go say the prayer <laughs> and he's like what prayer i was like the prayer for the dalmatic say it and he goes i don't know it and i looked at him you know that look where yeah. i'm like you're so stupid and I, I hate you
0: i've definitely seen that you've look.
1: seen that look yeah so then <laughs> tom put the dalmatic on me and he's like God, we pray that Nathan <laughs> might be someone who would love your service. And I was like, "Freaking Chicago priests. Why did I have a Chicago priest vest me? I should have had an Arlington priest. That but anyways, it was very nice. So seven years ago, congratulations to uh, Father Warley Castro and uh, uh, Jason Frederick Wunsch, Father Wunsch. Was it just the three of you? And really? Father Joe Doman. And Father Joe Doman. Okay. There's the four of you.
0: Um. I got a nice Christmas gift from Global in um, late February, as one, as one does. <laughs> in late February, uh, and it was a picture that somebody took of us. It wasn't Wasn't February? It was April. It was April. I was trying to be generous, but uh, <laughs> it was a picture of us, and uh, it's it's and he put a quote on there from Sherman and Grant. I forget uh-huh. which one. Who even we Sherman? Sherman, because we were watching some Civil War stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. but the look on our faces is kind of like,
1: oh my god here we go. Right. This is where, you know. Yeah. It's kind of a midwife moment. Yeah. It's like, yep, it's coming. Yeah. So it was bear- a beautiful day. Yep. So seven years, I, 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 if you can pray with me, I pray that this year is kind of a, a Sabbath rest. Uh, It's been, I think the sixth day, sixth year was a little, a little trying, a little, you know, COVID. I think everyone's got the COVID fatigue. Yeah. Um, Just, you know, trying to come out of that and Um, so seven years, you know, let's, let's hope now I don't, I'm not looking for rest, like, you know, just kick my feet back, but like, that'd just be a little easier, you know? Yeah. A little easier, a little easier. So we'll see, but we're faithful.
0: We're faithful. Happy anniversary. And I would say, um, today is also momentous and significant for another reason, because in these hours, these are the final hours we're presiding over basically the death of our friendship, which will happen in the
1: next week. True. Yes. There. Well, tonight begins the 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 true test. The the what is it? The uh, the what's the final the final test and Revelation called? The final tribulation. Or yeah. Something? Yeah. The, 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 the last, trumpet sounds. The, so except it'll sound like a foghorn when the when the <laughs> goals start pouring on. So the St. Louis Blues, who uh, Father John is a is a big Colorado Avalanche fan, um, and he's he's a big fan of his coach. Coach Bednar. Coach Bednar. And this year. I've been hanging out in uh,
0: Heritage Liquors waiting to, you know, have a chance to talk to him. Really? That's where he shops. No way. Yeah. I want to find out where the Blues are staying tonight. Go down to their hotel. So Avs Blues, first round of the playoffs. That's right. It's going to be a fantastic series. But we've been through, Goble and I have been through many, many hard times, challenges, fights, difficulties. Right. We've made it through it all. I don't know if we're going to make it through this. We've
1: coming. never... Yeah, it's never been Broncos, Bears. Was, you no. don't even care about the Broncos. No. And Nuggets, who cares? Um, Rockies, yeah, right. Um, but definitely the Avs Blues. But here's the deal. Um, this year, because you have a, a love for Coach Bednar. You, yeah. you, 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 you had quoted once, like, we got we to gotta play desperate. Right. And I've never done this before. But every day... Every day uh, after the Blues play, I watch the post-game uh, interview with uh Coach Baroub, Chief as we call him. Chief. And uh, Chief Baroub and uh, I have learned a lot of valuable like life lessons from Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And and it's only it and I don't know if you've seen hockey interviews. They're actually fairly short to the point mm-hmm. and Canadian normally, so it's it's a yeah. little little off. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I have I have learned so much, so it's going to be really tough to uh, you know see this series played out because you have two coaches that that I think know know hockey very well. Oh yeah. Which I mean, I don't think any any coach in the National Hockey League doesn't know it. But um, gosh, it's it's going to be it's going to be hard fought. We'll yeah, see. it is. We'll see.
0: So. So we're happy to get these uh, last podcasts in, right? And then take a long break over the summer. Exactly. While John parades around with the cup. <laughs> oh man, we'll see. We'll see. That's a dangerous thing to be. I mean, we could pull a Tampa Bay as, Tampa Bay Lightning yeah, every as long year. As it's not They're the hot going into the. Yeah. So or we'll, the wild or, or Las Vegas, who should not have a hockey team still.
1: Yeah, but. Do you, we'll remember, do you remember ever, do you ever choose teams like for kickball and whatever else? Like, uh, did you do the rule where it's like you get to pick first, but the other person gets to pick two people? Yeah. So when Vegas got to choose their team, they got to choose eight people before other people got to choose. So everybody got to choose one. The top eight. Top yeah. one. Yeah. And then they got to choose eight of the seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. And that's the only reason why. Yeah. So anyway. Ridiculous. Anywho, we're going to move on. We're moving on, folks. We're moving on. I think at one point in time, more people were watching professional bowling than they were watching National Hockey League. I believe it. So um, our our fan base may not exactly be hot on hockey. But I I don't know if many of them are going to be into um, Cistercian theology. Oh, nice transition. So um, I have a penchant for um uh, have you seen this book um I I, I have a penchant for um, uh, gift shops at um, at monasteries because I see it as a way of supporting them and supporting me so uh, if you've seen like the Trappist whatever pretzels or you know jams or whatever sometimes you can go a little over the top but it's especially when it's uh, good bookstores and there's an excellent bookstore at um, Abbey of Saint. Walburga, and I got to visit them, I don't know, maybe eight, nine months ago, um, and was in there. And I saw this book called The Spirit of Simplicity by Jean-Baptiste Chautaud. Chautaud. And I read it, one of his books a long time ago. This is the guy that wrote Soul of the Apostle. Right. And um, uh, there's uh, a section in here um, uh, on a, kind of the history of the Cistercians and their, their rule. I found that very difficult, and for the better part of, I would say, I don't know, I started reading it probably six weeks ago, it was like, why did I pick up this book? Like, I thought it was going to be super cool, but it it wasn't, and it wasn't really what I was looking for, whatever. And then I got to the second section, which is St. Bernard of Clairvaux on Interior Simplicity, Texts with Commentary from Thomas Merton. Hmm. There's kind of... There's kind of pre-Thomas, there's, there's early, early, early Thomas Merton, Merton and late Merton. Late Merton. Mm-hmm. And this is early Merton. Mm-hmm. And it's excellent. It was very good. Very there, good. Oh my gosh. So um, today we're going to dive into a little bit of uh, Bernard of Clairvaux, considered the last father of the church. Um, he is, I don't know if he's the founder of the Cistercians. He's not. He, he just lived Contrary it. Contrary to public belief, yeah. He was kind of a second generation, lived it well. Um, which he is was an early, op- early on. Which is an offshoot of Benedictine spirituality. Uh, they they take they have their own the rule of Benedict, uh, but they also have their own uh, rule that's kind of complementary, and um, and in that he, what Bernard is talking about um, is uh, how to recover um, our original likeness. So you taught theological anthropology this year. Um, can you give people an idea of like image and likeness and uh, a like how we, like, is that just unique to Bernard, or is is that kind of replete throughout the Fathers of the Church, where they talk about how we were made in the image and likeness of God, but through original sin we lost we lost the likeness. Is that that's uh, yeah, that's all over the Fathers. So that's not unique to Bernard. That's not unique to Bernard. Mm-hmm. I think
0: what I'm interested in hearing in this is what is what do you yeah I want to hear what what is distinctive and how they. They do it because I, I've approached the Cistercians from a lot of their Mary Church uh, mm. stuff. Because mm-hmm. basically what happens, it's the middle of the 12th century. Monasteries in Europe have for seven centuries grown. They basically created Europe. Uh, Benedictine spirituality and monasticism created. The, they would found a monastery. You build a town around it. This is how Western civilization was formed. But the wealth and the, the kind of power and the prestige of a church in now in kind of early christendom is uh problematic in terms of the living of the evangelical heart of the movement so a couple of these guys leave uh in the north of france and they go to a place called cîteaux cîteaux and right. uh they found and they it, which literally means the marshlands and uh they're just out there and they they yeah. just kind of rebuild monastic life and it's this incredible movement and this guy bernard uh, comes and imagine that you, Dave Goebel, Mike Goebel, and 30 of your friends all join the Cistercians right. at the same time. They follow you. That's yeah. what happened with Bernard. Right. Unbelievable. And right. Balthazar calls the 12th century the The greatest flowering of spirituality in the history of the
1: church. Mm. So he looks at that. It as was the thousands. Goldens. Yeah, it was I mean. thousands of people that were listening to his preaching and then eventually coming into these mon- monasteries. Yeah. So, anyways, Actually, that was your first. Historical. The first part of this book, "The Spirit of Simplicity." Mm-hmm. The first part of the book you would love mm-hmm. because it's all the historical kind of uh, movement through that. Um, but in terms of in terms of how the fathers describe uh, our fall from uh, our original holiness. Um, It's that we were made in the image and likeness of God. We were given these faculties of intellect and will. And then at some point through the sin of Adam and Eve, um, we lost the likeness, retained the image, but the image is weakened or damaged in some way. Right. It's like you had the DeLorean and now you got to figure out a way to put the DeLorean back together so you can get, you know, Whatever. So back to the future. So what Bernard is describing is, and this is the line that just just set me off. Um, I, I read this. I read the second part on the plane. Uh, uh, normally on the plane, I have a, a ritual of you know just passing out and then you know groggily you know praying a little bit of the bravery. Uh But due to code red Mountain Dew, which I hadn't had in years, <laughs> and uh, peanut butter M and M's, I was flying high and uh, read this line on the infection of hereditary hypocrisy. So that is the title of today's uh, podcast, Overcoming the Infection of Hereditary Hypocrisy. Wow. So what he's saying, what, what Bernard is talking about is that uh, we're trying to regain um, our likeness, which was lost through sin. And we, we were sold a bill of goods by the evil one uh, for something that we already had. Did you ever fall for an infomercial? Do you ever watch one of the infomercials and you're like, "Oh, Dad, we got to get this." That's funny. I'm trying to think
0: other advertising schemes, definitely. But what was that crazy knife that everybody had in the oh yeah, 90s? The Miracle Blade. Miracle Blade. We got that.
1: Total garbage. Yeah. Right. I did that with Shamwell. Shamwell. Do you know that? Do you know that? Um, what's it called? OxyClean is uh, headquartered in. Littleton, Colorado. Oh, there you go. Hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, so we all have these things that we, we kind of fall for, and then we realize, wait a second, this is something I already had the whole time. And what the devil was trying to convince mankind of is is the the classic line, secret deus. You, could, you will be like God. Mm-hmm. And we were participating in the life of God, but then all of a sudden the devil's like, but you could be like God. And so um, what we had originally... Uh, was what he describes as natural simplicity, natural immortality, and natural liberty. So natural simplicity, we had a participation in the being of God. We were like him, we weren't gods, but we were like God in that we were um, to be is to live as God intends. So that would be the the simplicity. To to make something simple is to make it in its most basic, fundamental, easiest, shortest root parts. And man did not have a complexity to his nature; his, his his nature was actually quite simple. Not meaning dumb, but like it worked. Mm-hmm. Everything worked, and mm-hmm. everything worked as it should. And then eventually, uh, what the devil does is through the the trickery and and through the hook. That he that he kind of leads us away from the Lord, um, we fall from simplicity and duplicity. Whereas previously everything was easy, now everything becomes complex. I like that. I like thinking of simplicity as unity,
0: right? As kind of a, as a wholeness. Like, uh-huh. like we often kind of think like it's dumber or more basic, but it's actually it's more integral, like a unified life. We talk about a plan of life a lot, like to unify yeah
1: there you go great we're gonna get there okay so i like it yeah so we go from we go from everything works as it should it takes the shortest possible route to now all of a sudden we got to figure out ways to deal with our life we were naked and now all of a sudden we need clothes why because shame enters the world and now we realize that we can use and even abuse one another Um, and then we start lying words, whereas previously it communicated exactly what we intended it to be, is now, um, I don't know, like, uh, I was naked and afraid, so I hid myself. Like, where are you? God is looking for him, and, you know, he's got to play the runaround. The devil tries to make us think that we could become immortal. This will be even better. One is, you'll be like gods. The other is, you will not die. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, death enters the world, uh, but previously, we could not die. Mm-hmm. We would not die. And it was it was made that way. And now, actually, God makes it a little more complex in order that uh, we can... Uh, we wouldn't, I don't know, be, remain apart from him forever. So, again, you can see how, like, all these things are like viruses, bugs. Like, your operating system was working exactly as it should, and then now, all of a sudden, like, it's, you know, system, whatever that's called, Win 30... You have an apple, but, you know, those are... The blue screen of death. It's like (laughs) win 32, system 32. I have no idea what that is, but it just pops up all the time. That's right. PC load letter. PC load letter. Right. And then the last one is we had liberty. We had freedom of will. um, And then now all of a sudden we're enslaved. We didn't didn't realize that we were free. We thought that we could get even more free. But anytime you have freedom and somebody says you could have more freedom, usually it ends up being uh, more complex. um, And we're now in servitude. And I love, this, I love this threefold kind of pattern because it's not KBC. Go this And KBCO. we go. Sorry about that. What I like about this is when you see this threefold pattern, um, there's always a, a way in which the, the fathers see it as, and there's a way to get back to where we were and even more so. So it's not just we're trying to go back to the garden. We're trying to live our life in the world now through grace in such a way that we can arrive back to God, right. we're not just trying to get back to Eden, we're trying to get back to how do we find God again and uh, the the purpose of the the purpose of the monastic life is to do precisely that, and so I'm going to give I, you a chance to what sorry, I was going to say one thing. you're jumping into the book though. I was just going to read what the purpose of monastic life was, okay, and then we were going to take a pause for. For you, to, for you to, for you to, know. okay, go, go. Is that okay? Yes, absolutely. So, again, this train is moving today, baby. I don't want to get. I don't. This, get in is, the because, way. this I is because this because he gave me twenty minutes to prepare, and I was so grateful. And I actually read for the first time in years. Um, the, um, uh, I know that everyone who's listening to this podcast is not in the monastery because if you're in the monastery, you're not listening to the podcast. But I think we can learn and appropriate. Certain habits that are uh, unique to religious life and appropriate them to our life. Not that we're going to create this sort of hippie commune of you know married couples living together. You know, trying to you know create a monastery monastic experience or priests trying to do that because oftentimes as companions we get this idea that oh you guys are just trying to become you know religious order. It's like no, we're just we're trying to make things simple again and. I think that we've realized uh, in the world, things have become more and more complex. So one more, one more, one more passage. It says, he says, the whole purpose of the rule of St. Benedict and the Cistercian usages, their rule, is according to St. Bernard to keep man in an atmosphere whereby obedience, poverty, solitude, prayer, fasting, silence, manual labor, and the common life, he will be constantly running into occasions where he will be brought face to face with the truth about himself and forced to recognize his misery without god with the result that he will turn to god in supplication begging for him begging him for the, that grace and infused charity that will enable him to purify his soul of the hideous layer of duplicity and free the divine image within him of all, from all the sordid appetites and evil habits that cling so obstinately, even to souls that have devoted themselves for years with the most ardent generosity to the wholehearted service of God in the cloister. That's the purpose of the rule, to actually help us to know ourselves, to actually admit some of our faults, so that we can more easily attain and uh, recover the the. The healing that we desire of the infection of hereditary hypocrisy. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. Love it. This is really good. Code Red Mountain Dew. Code Red Mountain Dew. Peanut butter m
0: Who would have thought? That was like a... Don't tell my dentist. It was like, a, you know, what are those things you put when you charge somebody back to life? Your intellectual life? Yeah. Clear. You just need a little Code Red. Because you're, you're rolling today. This is beautiful. I don't want to get in the way, but I have a lot of thoughts. I'm only going to make two of them I hope for right so. now. Yeah. Number one. One of the main problems I think we face in the church and in the world is uh, naturalism. So the mm-hmm. the sense that my human nature is whole in itself, yep. and that I can go back to Eden, and the, so if yep. I just find Rousseau the perfect property in Boulder in Boulder Canyon, right. yep, and I get the perfect kind of Eve, and we just spend our days <laughs> Eve, yeah. you know what I mean? We just spend our days kind of <laughs> mountain biking and rock climbing, like. Everything yes. is perfect, Our love life, everything is in it, so we make great food. The problem is, and I tell my guys this in class all the time I was like, the human life is like a house without a roof on it. Mm. like there's, it's not closed, like you, you can't just have a natural, and St. Thomas talks about this, mm. like we have a supernatural end, which is God, so nature has a supernatural end, yes, and so you can't just say, because the project of secular humanism. And, and this kind of naturalism is to say, we have the internal resources to root out the hypocrisy yep. of humanity and thus restore Eden. Yep. And it's just if we get this politician in, if we just have this economic system, if we just have these social reforms, um, and the church is just this, this wedge constantly in, and they're just like, why can't this thing just go away? If it would just go away with all of its... You know, then we can get rid of hypocrisy, and then we can enter into you know the Utopia. age of Aquarius or whatever it is. That's right. So that's one thing. Is when you were talking about how grace doesn't point us back to Eden, but it points us towards the new creation, the new Eden, which is in Christ, and it's not in us. Second point: Cistercian spirituality and theology really has to be understood within the larger nuptial vision of the fathers. Mm-hmm. So everything is about marriage, mystical so, union. God right. weds himself to creation in the union, the, the nuptial union of Christ, divinity and humanity, the connubium, This is the and this exchange, this wondrous exchange that happens between divinity and humanity. Hmm. We can't just talk abstractly about God as this idea that we kind of connect to. The the wedding of nature and grace is the wedding of these two natures, the divinity and humanity of Christ that happens within Jesus. And divinization or the life of grace is a participation and sharing in that. I say this because it ties into this duplicity thing, and it very concretely. Yesterday, um, I met with I have these three great marriage prep couples, and I brought them over, uh, and I just wanted two of the best young families I knew to just sit and have lunch and mm-hmm. just talk about, and just share their story and, and give any advice that they have. And so I had the Lynches, and then. Uh, Thomas and Sammy Byer, and so there's like, these two couples have been married a decade and 12 years, 14 years maybe, um, and they have uh, nine kids between them, Hmm. so a lot of, but they're just wonderful, fantastic, like normal, but really faithful Catholics who are deepening in their faith, Yep, all the while having less and less availability, sleep, energy, resources, you know, so it was a really powerful witness, but here's the point. One of the things they said was, "Beware of the any any area of your married life that is your area, independent." Yep. So this is my Amen. thing. Yep. Or even like I do the finances for us. You know, Jordan said that he's like this early on, but we realized that it creates duplicity in marriage, and then it starts to create these little separations. Hmm. And this is where we see family, we see friends, we see couples. We know that they basically live like roommates. In late into their marriage. I mean, I know somebody just got divorced and they're in their 60s and it's just like, wow. how does this happen? Well, it happens with those slow decisions to permit duplicity to come into the marriage. So the, the duplicating of yeah. a reality that's supposed to be central. And so the work of grace is the work of simplifying your life in marriage. But it means you have to die to your own will and your own desire to separate and duplicate life and this is like what we're trying to do with the companions it's like we want to simplify priestly life we've been duplicating everything everybody gets their own rectory their own car their own health insurance their own parish their own everything our own schedules own schedules and it's like what if we actually had a common life and we simplified it we realize it's actually very hard because of our egos to do that so that was just the two thoughts
1: that's very helpful Honestly, because um, what we are going to be going towards is the the commonality of monastic life creates opportunities through which you realize I'm trying to live an independent life, even apart from God. That's the original sin. You will be like God. You won't need anyone. You will be able to be better off on your own um, you will know good and evil. You will not die. Like, all of these promises are for the sake of detach yourself from uh, the life of God and even the, the life in common. Mm-hmm. And at some point, when Adam and Eve share this meal together, instead of the meal actually drawing people together, like breakfast tacos. Which were amazing. Amazing this morning. I would highly... Crispy bacon. Brought to you... He showed respect. Brought to you in part by Cavender's seasoning, a Greek seasoning that you can put on anything, and Frank's buffalo ranch seasoning, which is a wild combination. But anyways, those two go together. Um, Instead of a meal that would normally bring you together, when Adam and Eve consumed this food, it actually drew them apart. And they began living independent lives. And I, I would just say, like, we have to fight and we're only in our 30s um, approach in the 40s, but not there yet. Um, but we have to fight daily against the, the notion of I live by myself. I live for myself. I do th- I do all things uh, according to me. And that's not just because we're celibate. I think that's actually a, a primordial or not primordial. It's a post th- post-lapsarian yeah. reality.
0: Autonomous, autonomos, right? Yes. According to one's own law. I, this is a huge, th- I mean, you're, you're speaking my language here because I realized teaching anthropology for two years, this is at the heart of the project because the postmodern mm-hmm. man is, his question and his preoccupation seems to be freedom in the way that modern man's preoccupation was reason hmm. it really is about freedom yeah and we have to we have to really boldly clearly and creatively reconvince people that freedom is dependence in relation to god and if you get that if that if that comes together then all of the other ways that you live out freedom in dependence mm-hmm. with others it yep. makes sense marriage family friendship priestly brotherhood we depend on each other mission because our freedom is Mm -hmm. it's our freedom is in its essence dependence
1: in relation to God. Yeah. Createdness. I think it's, I think that if you boiled all of it down, it's createdness. Um, And at that point, once you admit that you are created and you're a creature, um, you can start living differently. If you reject that notion I think that everything has to fall into the God category, and that's where we have to have the the use of technology to reinforce our um, our autonomy. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, one the part of the reason why they they have this rule uh, is to create what's called rectitude. Uh, rectitude is straightness and also the shortest path. To recover what was lost, and the interesting thing is, sometimes I think we feel like um, you remember uh, what's it called? Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Captain Jack Sparrow's compass. Yeah, he pulls out his compass and it's just going wild, and it's like I don't, I don't even know where it's leading. And sometimes we look at it like, oh yeah, like I, I guess it's doing that, and then we put it away. Um, and I think there is an interior sense for God. That's the image that hasn't been lost. The likeness needs to be recovered, but the image is still there. The hardware is still programmed to receive a signal from God, no matter who you are. And I don't want it just to become like we can do this apart from God like surnatural or whatever. Um, but uh but we're we have this this impulse, this desire to find a deeper receptivity towards God. But we need the help of a rule or a regula to direct us, to create rectitude. And you mentioned earlier, like, the rule of life. And I, I fought against this for a long time. Um, I am, I don't know, I, I want to try things my own way, and even if it fails, I want to see it fail and then say, you were right? I don't know if that's middle childishness or right, or, or yeah. like uh, just a, a gross independence. But um, years ago uh, in focus, years ago in seminary, years ago, my spiritual director, uh, you know, they all recommended, do you have a rule of life? And I'm like, I don't, want, I don't need a rule of life. I'm free, man. Like, I want to live free. And my freedom is going to actually help me to, to do all of these things. So at some point in time, you remember, in theology, you are allowed to pray a holy hour on your own. Freedom. Finally, we have freedom. Um, at seminary, we used to pray it at 645. Now you're what, at six? Six. Oh, my god! I don't want to talk about it. So, uh, But we have in the summer. When you can break away from praying at that time, you're like, perfect. I'll do it whenever I want. The problem is, brothers and sisters, when you can pray whenever you want, oftentimes, if you can pray at any time, you pray at no time. You have to pick a time, that time. If I say, I can exercise whenever I want, uh, no, you got to pick a time. It's got to be the time. Effectively, what you are creating is the skeletal kind of bones of something akin to a rule of life. But a rule of life isn't just an orario where it's like, I know at this time I go to this place and I do this. There has to be a spirit behind the rule. And the spirit behind the rule of life I think should be a recovery of the original simplicity hmm. and not just I want to be a better person right Because like you were mentioning, if if it's just if I do all of these right things, I pray my holy hour, I exercise. I do my studies, all of this, ultimately it becomes you are God over your own life instead of how is the Lord inviting me to share in a deeper dependence upon Him? And I would just say, I think we've said it to families in the past, like, or podcast listeners, you should have like a mission of sorts, like as a family, sort of like a coat of arms, like what do we stand for? I think you can also say we should have a rule of life. It's helpful for kids to know like when do we eat? Yeah. Um when do we recreate? When do we do chores? Um what is it is what is it looking like? Like I mean I still find myself at times like when we're with my dad it's like hey what are we doing today? Cuz I defer to like what is in his mind. But I think even more so it's important for you to educate your children on we're trying to recover a life that is interdependent and ultimately at the service of God. Yeah. And so the, the the goal, I think, to create rectitude is also to understand what is behind the directness. Why do we make the decisions that we make? Why do we not wear our Broncos jerseys to mass? Why do we not uh, you know go to anybody's house for dinner and you have to be home at a, a certain time? Like some of these decisions are gonna look arbitrary unless there's also like there is a spirit animating the, the direction that I'm leading my family or even living my priesthood in. We do have a number of listeners who are priests, and I think that creating a rule of life for yourself is also um, it's an expression of, I don't just want to live free and clear, like bachelor life, but I also want to have in mind, what am I driving myself and what am I ultimately driving you know, the people entrusted in my care towards?
0: I I think it's right on. Without some kind of order, without some kind of plan, um, you're yeah, the exercise is going to happen. Any coach would tell you that, you know. If if Nathan McKinnon said to Bednar, he's like, I'm just going to practice kind of when I mm-hmm. want, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll see at the games, but I'm just going to kind of do my thing. And right. He'd be like, No, that's not going to happen because we have a program, we have a plan. So there's two kinds of people out there. There's people who buck the plan, and then there's people who Me. who Love the planning so much that they obsess and control me. So you got both sides here. yeah, plan of life either as this great inhibitor to my kind of autonomy and freedom, or the plan of life as my self made measurement towards spiritual perfection. Mm-hmm. That's my my task. And so you have the twofold thing of like ordering life towards more freedom. Great story about John Morozak, Father John Morozak. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this before. Because the other side of this is about interiorly appropriating it, like you're saying. Like The the plan of life is not just something exterior, but it's something that I own. And this is a real challenge in seminary life. Story of John Morozak sitting around the, uh, another Avs fan. Go, Johnny. He is. Uh, sitting around the breakfast table, and he made a comment to guys about, um, yeah, my mom made a uh, dentist appointment for around Tuesday. And the guys looked at him and said, your mother makes your dental appointments? And he looks at them and he goes, I'm a 27-year-old man with a curfew. Of course my mother makes my dental appointments. (laughs) (laughs) And the point is, like, the seminary rule of life, it feels so extrinsic and imposed, and it's really hard to kind of move beyond that into, like, how do I interiorize the rule in such a way as... Uh, it becomes part of the the structure of of how I relate to Christ. Uh, I was very edified getting up this morning, uh, and you're in the chapel, and because Holy Hour is part of our rule of life, and you're just mm-hmm. there, and I come in, and do my thing, have our coffee, and then have a an amazing breakfast. But like without, it's hard to imagine, and that interiorization happens in love. So practice. The whole thing is like if you're struggling to be a practicing Catholic, that's okay. I really hope someday you get beyond that point. Because the church gives you a regula, at least the kind of framework of one. Mm-hmm. When you used to live in relationships to monasteries, you at least, you were living in, there was a touch point for a regula. You heard the bells. You saw this rhythm that was lived out daily and you, you kind of, there was a gravity towards it. But the tragedy of the, every Sunday, the Catholic of like, oh, are we going to go to Mass astronaut? Are we going to go to Mass or, not? Go to mass or not? It's like, oh my God, this is sword. And when you finally abandon that and say, I want to receive from the church as a mother a rule of life. Uh, then you enter into real freedom. That's because you've interiorized the, the rule of the church in love. And when that happens, it's like, well, this is, this is my life. Mm-hmm. And, but because I understand freedom in, in this kind of dependence on
1: God, which plays out in the life of the church. So Instead of you trying to create, you receive. You receive even yourself... In the light of God. And so the, the philosophical maxim for ancient philosophy, I think, was know thyself. To know one's own habits, vices, to aim for virtue, excellence, you know, to be aware of whatever, shortcomings, excess. But then for the Christian, it's not just self-introspection, omphaloskepsis, like navel-gazing. It's, Lord, reveal myself to me because I think I know myself better than anyone. You, ha- you gave that great line. I don't know where you found that, that line from William James. There are three people that a man meets when, when they encounter each other. The man he believes he is, the man the other believes he is, and the one who, the one who actually is. Yeah. It took me a long
0: time because I thought that was Mark Twain. So I finally found it. Mm. He actually William James actually says when two people meet there are actually six people present. The two people that they think they are,
1: the two people that they mm-hmm. the other thinks they are
0: and the two people they actually are.
1: Actually are. Yeah. And and instead, it's like I just want to know myself in the light of God, but I don't I don't get that knowledge by myself. Like you said, you have to have the church. A lot of it was we, the, the Christian would remain in relationship to the monastic setting so that they could receive instruction from those that were learning to know themselves in the light of God, in the light of the Psalms, and in the light of relationship. And so I find the parish setting at times to be akin to a monastery, but woe to the people who are relying upon the priest to give them the knowledge of themselves in the light of God in the light of the psalms, but not in light of relationship right because fundamentally the church isn't found only in the 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 scriptures or in the mind of God. it's lived in the in the day to day yeah we were with archbishop you know for the ordination and it was like, this is relationship like i listen
0: especially when he you know these bishops carry these big pastoral staffs right. and i watched him
1: processing and all of a sudden he takes the staff and just jabs gobel right in the side and yeah. i was like what is going on and then i responded hey save that hat for me nice so anyways i think that i think that it's important not just the people should depend on the priest to be able to recover this this uh, image for them or this likeness for them but also that the priest is striving as well for perfection and encouraging the people to strive for perfection in their own, like, domus ecclesiae, yeah. their house church. Your kids need order.
0: Happy, happy kids thrive when snack times at this time, bedtimes that you read books and go to bed at this time. They just need stability. They need order. They need simplicity. And when they're simple, they're childlike. Mm-hmm. And when they're childlike, they're free. This is the logic of how families are structured. And everything is stacked against you. You know, these psycho coaches are going to turn your kid into the next Wayne Gretzky. Impose so you gotta the be, order, right? You know, you have to impose order. You have to make sacrifices. They need that. But also it means that you have to interiorize your relationship with God the Father in love. I would, if my brother-in-law Jordan said to me, hey, I'm a practicing father, okay? I'm a practicing husband. It's just like, it's not about practice, Right. The practice is just the the beginning, like, and it's awkward. Getting a rule of life is hard, and I work with people. I, I work with people a lot in uh, spiritual direction about what's the plan of life. And sometimes I even text them every Sunday and just say, "Check in. How was it? It was tough. This fell apart. That's right. Beginning again. Uh, right. We have to kind of keep coming back to that. But with that order towards simplicity and freeing ourselves from that, as you said, that perennial um, hypocrisy that is uh, that when you when you live and examine life, you see so deeply in yourself and uh, we want to, we just, Jesus wants us to be free of that.
1: But what I was saying is that coaches will impose order on families. Show choir swing stations in Mount Zion will impose order on families. You as a husband or a mother or, um, you know, a parent have to make decisions for yourself about your own family. If you are an individual and you don't have a spouse or you don't have a family, it's very easy to just be like, oh, I, I guess I I guess I could do that. Right. You seem to have total freedom, but there are certain needs that you have and there are certain pursuits that you can't just set aside. So it's important to recover your dependence upon God and, and to begin exercising your freedom, to direct it towards what is my ultimate good. It's the recovery of the original, uh, of the original likeness that is possible through grace, which ultimately is a dependence on God's love to support me in all of these things. So, the last thing I would say, um, it, it just it kind of concludes the the section on. Uh, simplicity of once, once the once the monk follows the the rule of life, which carries with it all sorts of struggles and um, anxieties and like resistance. Three ways that the monk can kind of ensure that uh, they are finding once again liberty, um, immortality, and uh, simplicity, and that is humility. Which is knowing yourself not according to you, but according to the light of God, seeing yourself in the light of God, which helps to be in relationship because your brothers and sisters will tell you who you are instead of uh, just finding it out for yourself. Uh, mortification, so it's a deliberate death. Mm-hmm. instead of pushing off death, you welcome little deaths so that it's like, oh i don't I don't live I don't live for myself. yes. Mass is always too early. It's always too early for the priest too. Um, But getting up, setting your day, uh, making that part of it, making decisions. Yes, we're going to have to go and rake the leaves, and we're not going to be able to just sit and watch three consecutive football games. I'm sorry. Like uh, this is part of life. That's mortification. Choosing, uh, choosing to refraining from goods. Or choosing evils for the sake of a greater good is actually helpful for the recovery of this likeness. And then the last one is, um, yeah, oh, obedience, mm. obedience that leads to docility. I think this is very interesting because even in the companions, there are times where it's like, ah, oh, we sure we we pledge obedience and we're obedient to the bishop, and if the if the moderator says certain things, we'll we'll do it. And then in, the, in these little micro, micro things, it's like, eh, I'm going to exercise my own will. I'm going to choose my own way. I'm going to go against what everybody else is moving towards because this is good for me. And at some point, we realize that I've not yet become docile. And docile seems to be kind of a simplicity, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, you're just a child. You just mm-hmm. need to be led by a hand. I guess when the bell rings, you just got to go. It's like, yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's 10:30 at night, and you know you're out, and it's like, yeah, I I I need to go. That's docility instead of I want to choose my own way. So uh, I think it would be interesting to hear here, even other people like married couples or families or other priests talk about. Where are the moments where you are docile? And not just to the Holy Spirit. That's a, that's a trite phrase. It's important. I think that's, that's a grace. But also, where, who are you obedient to, and who would you consider yourselves docile to? My dad has a, whatever, koozie that says, um, I haven't spoken to my wife in years. I don't like to interrupt her. <laughs> But uh, there's nothing, there's nothing further from the truth in terms of his relationship well, with yeah, my mom, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so I would just say, like, have, when was the last time you considered yourself docile mm-hmm. to another person? Um, so, anyways, a, a good rule of life that does I'm, facilitate
0: simplicity, and uh, don't try and do it on your own. That's the last thing I'll say. Don't don't do the rule of life. You need to have a guide, and uh, but it will it will affect that. It will bring about that those things so well done man that was there we go hey that was a great great finish you just like done, charged done. hard to the top there and we are
1: uh
0: now wrapping it up i was looking at shout
1: out little here. shout out folks uh greetings from st louis missouri after listening to father nathan talk about his latest fishing adventures i thought these may be useful there are a few different types of of uh dry flies soft hackles and winged wet flies Please consider these flies a thank you for years of helping me through the day at work or on long drives. I've listened to almost every episode, and they've helped me to grow spiritually and helped me live of a vocation of a husband and father of five. The wet flies with the red tails are called priests and are from an old book called Trout by Ray Bergman. Thanks again, Kevin Satale. Kevin Satale from St. Louis, Missouri. Check it out, dude. We get some flies. Nice. Excellent. Do you know what this is?
0: Nope. I don't either, but it's a professional sound card is what it says on the box. A
1: professional sound card. This is
0: from my friend Ken Moldonado up in Summit County. Huh. Sound effects, voiceovers, (laughs) gabble, laughter, (laughs) applause, guys, minions, Ah. short smile, awkward, sound effects, voice change.
1: (laughs) When can I set this up? This This is coming to
0: you in fall of 2021, (laughs) folks. It's going to get crazy. He was like, "Put this in the hands of Father Nathan, and it's over."
1: Dude, oh my <laughs> gosh, what?
0: Yeah, we'll see. It's gonna. It, this could take it to the next level.
1: <laughs> wow. Yeah. Man, this is, this is like this is like my anniversary or something. There you go. This is so awkward. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. All right. Well, I don't know how to plug
0: it in, but we'll figure it out. We got three months to figure it out. So we'll be back next week for one more, and then. Uh,
1: and then we're calling it for uh, June, July, and then we'll be back in August, folks. We, uh, it's f- it's for the best, honestly, because when we try to get together during the summer and uh, we're all trying to take different vacations, and all of us are going to different weddings or ordinations or taking our own voca- vacations or whatever, it, it it ends up being forced. Yeah, and we want to be fresh for you. That's so right. So we have decided in our rule of life that we will take a little break for the summer. That's right. Well, nice job today. Happy anniversary. Go abs.
0: Go Blues. Play Gloria. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. see you next